0: sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 6am Run podcast. I'm your host Mark Payson. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're having great day, great week. Hope everyone is staying safe. And as always, first of all, we have a great show for you today. Absolutely great show. And this show is brought to you by 6am run and 6 amruncom Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So today on the show, we have Miss Lindsay Hine. She is going to talk about a lot of things. She's a runner. She's a mom. She fundraises. She, there's a lot of things that she's into. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love being on this side of the microphone because I'm so used to hosting the conversation. So, this is fun for me. Um, I'm a 17 time marathoner and I have four kids, all boys. And I coach runners. I, uh, Mark mentioned I I just fundraised for Every Mother Counts for the New York City Marathon. So excited we raised $10,000 for that amazing organization. And I also host several podcasts and have a network called Sandy Boy Productions. And that was all birthed out of my first podcast called All Have Another which is primarily for runners. I mostly interview professional and elite runners, but everyday runners as well. And um, once that podcast had a little bit of success, I decided to expand and, and start a network. So we've got four or five shows in our network right now, and I host two of them and guest host on one of them. So my days are spent researching interviews, interviewing, uh, being with my kids, running, all that sort of stuff. And I love to read and I love love, love anything comedy.
0: Okay. We've learned a lot about you in a short amount of time, Uh, but I gave it all. But the thing that, I mean, a lot of things just jumped out at me, but the first thing, and I think probably this gets people most of the time is 17 marathons. Yeah. So, um, that is 17 more than most people, which (laughs) I, I think, you know, I think most people know that. Um, do you have a problem? Are you addicted to
1: marathons? (laughs) I think I do because I just finished the New York city marathon and it was awful. It was so hot. My legs felt terrible at mile eight. And I was like, I literally never want to do this again. I was almost crying, wanted to walk off the course at mile 10. And, um, on Tuesday this week, so two days after the marathon, I was like, maybe I should do that again. (laughs)
0: that that sounds like a runners that sounds exactly how runners think like that's the exact way i do it too but but go on like talk about that talk about what intrigues you about marathons
1: well and i i normally am not miserable at mile (laughs) i mean if you're miserable at mile eight or ten something has gone really wrong i mean you shouldn't start feeling miserable until mile 20 um that's what you want to call it but uh i think Just the running community and what that brings out in everybody, like being together and celebrating what our bodies can do and accomplish is something that I always want to be a part of. So I don't know if that means running fast ever again, running very fast, but being immersed in that community, I think is really good for my mental health. And obviously it's for my physical health to continue on this lifestyle of, of movement. So yeah, I just love the running community.
0: And what what have you learned between that first marathon and that 17th? What were the differences? How were you able to prepare better? Like kind of go into those differences physically and mentally in those two marathons.
1: I think that's a really good question. And I think that one of the things with running so many marathons is like, it's like you were still respect the distance. It's a really far distance to run. But at the same time, you're also very much aware that it's going to be over and it's going to be okay. So even though it hurts really bad at mile 16 or 17 or wherever that is, you hope it's not any sooner than that. Um, it's okay. It's like such a short flip of time in your life. Uh, the way I trained for the first marathon was so haphazardly, but I think looking back, like I was probably in way better shape than I realized I was because I didn't have a GPS watch. I just wore like a Timex watch and just ran based on time. And so like on Wednesdays, I'd be like, okay, we're going to run for an hour. No, I said I was going to run 10 miles, but I didn't have a GPS watch. So I would always run like an hour, 40 minutes. And looking back, I was probably running closer to 12 miles, you know? So I probably was more trained than I realized. It was just in a very haphazard way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my training has looked different over the years because I've had four babies since that first marathon, and so sometimes it's postpartum. Um, this past training cycle, I did a lot of long runs. I didn't do a lot of speed work, so I knew that the speed wasn't going to be super, super fast. But um, I think that doubling down on the long runs is where really where you're going to see success as far as not fatigue early on. Don't ask me why it happened. I think it was the heat.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I like that, and, and t- a little bit about me, like – I think it's very it takes a lot of pressure off of you personally once you hit that part of your running career where you're like, you know what? I'm not even worrying about this speed right now. Like I'm worrying about the distance I want it or the time. Cause I always tell people when they ask me about running and they they, they get into it, they said, you know, how should I start? What are some things I should work on? And I said, Well, you can run for for speed, for distance, or for time. You need to pick one of them when you start because you can't I personally believe like if you're like, hey, I want to run a mile in seven minutes off the bat, it's like, well, can you run a mile yet? Like, can you do can you even do that yet? And I kind of want to get your perspective. Like once like I've gotten to a point I'm in my 40s, I'm probably in the best shape of my life and my runs. I don't focus on speed anymore. I focus on do I want to go out for an hour? Do I want to go for five miles? do I want to go for seven miles. So, kind of, what's your perspective on that as as you've become um, an older runner? Or you? Uh, yeah. I apologize. Not don't apologize.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna be 40 <laughs> next year. Um, No, I teeter back and forth. Like sometimes I'm like, do I want to go all in and try to get really fast again? And I know that that'll be a lot more work than it was when I was 28. Or you know, like I, I ran my I actually ran my marathon PR in between my third and fourth babies. Um, so I was 33 when I did that, which, gosh, where did that time go? I can't believe I'm going to be 40 next year. Um, but I, I know that it, it'll it be more work and dedication now if I do that because I'll need to be more careful about physical therapy, massage, all the strength training, like all the things to not get injured and, and stay healthy. But all that being said, I do think I'm my happiest self when I'm just moving my body for exercise like six days a week, taking it one rest day and being physically active for like 45 minutes to an hour and a half most days. And I know that people say like, oh, you should do 30 minutes a day. Well, for me, it's it a little bit more feels better. But um, yeah, I think that One of the things I love about running and what it's instilled in me is that it doesn't have to be about fast times or running races. It's just about my physical well-being and my mental well-being. And I know that those things are both better when I'm an active human being. And I hope that that is what I'm showing my kids. Like it's not about losing weight or what my body looks like or anything like that. It's just that it's good for you to move your body.
0: Right. I like that. And you mentioned your kids, and you said you have four. What ages are your kids right now?
1: So they are um, four, six, seven and a half, and ten.
0: Are any of them into fitness or running right now?
1: They don't do like races or anything, but they're all very active. Um, My little ones don't really do sports yet. I've been a pretty big... Um, like I'm not toting my kids around and spending millions of dollars on sports when they're like four, because they don't need that. They can play unorganized sports in the front yard. Um, but my oldest son is pretty into soccer. We're dabbling in flag football and basketball. And so, um, I say like once they're like six, I I start letting them try one thing at a time. Um, but my favorite thing is, um, the pickup games in the front yard. Like I think that there is so much value in unorganized sports and kids playing pickup games with neighbors and they don't even have to go to a clinic or a practice to learn these things. They just learn from each other. And I think that creates so much independence as well. So I'm really big on both. Like Yes, we can sign up for soccer and get into that. But also, like, I want you guys to just play in the front yard with your friends.
0: I, I love that. I love that. And your husband—is he into running? Is he a runner or is he into fitness?
1: Oh yeah, he's a big runner. He he just runs for fun now. But mm-hmm. he, um, I mean, he's a two forty nine marathoner. Oh my he's god, uh, done a full Ironman. I, Iron man, I like... shouldn't
0: have asked. I shouldn't have asked. So I feel less of a man. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> he's um, he got really into it for a while. It's kind mm-hmm. of a funny story because. I beat him in our first marathon by 10 minutes and then we were both like, we never want to run marathon again, but I qualified for Boston. So I was like, I have to do Boston because people train forever for this race. And like, I feel like it would be wrong not to do it. So I signed up and then he was like, well, I'm going to need to do another marathon too. I can't let you do one and me not do one. So he signed up for another one and, um, Then he realized he had low iron. So he kind of got that under control and he just kind of slowly started getting faster and faster. And I think once he ran like a 317, he was like, I'm going to qualify for Boston myself, which was 305 at the time. And then he was like, now I have to break three hours. And then he broke three hours and he was like, now I want to you know, see what else is in there. So he really, he really went all in. And that's when I was in the throes of having four babies, you know, (laughs) In six years, so I kind of watched him do that with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like, man, that's so cool! You're like all in on this thing, um, and I've never really got to that point myself. And I, I, I saw the dedication it took, and I don't know that I have that in me. And right. I don't. I mean, I could, but I don't know that I want to.
0: I, I, that that that's amazing. Good for him. And for people listening who who you know, they watch the New York Marathon, they watched the Boston Marathon, they may have run other marathons, kind of explain that whole, like, the popular, the Boston and New York Marathon, like, the lead-up, you have to qualify, what is it like getting to the race, what is it like, the, what's what's the surrounding areas, like, what is the, what's the whole aura around the race, like, the, the race day and the days before and, and right after the race?
1: Yeah, that's so fun that you asked that question, yeah, I, the Boston Marathon is kind of like that unicorn, like literally it's like the Boston Marathon unicorn, um, that once people start running and they get even like remotely close to the qualifying time, they're like, I want to qualify for Boston. And I think that I, I recently like read there's, there's talk of like, oh, it's elitism. Like I want running to just be fun for everybody. But the, there's cool things about Boston. One is that if you don't qualify and you really want to run it, you can raise money for charity and get in and Hundreds of thousands of dollars are raised for really phenomenal charities every year through that race. So I think that that's a really important piece of the race. I mean, I can't—I mean, I, I just can't even imagine how much money has actually raised. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but anyway, um, the race is really historic, iconic, and you bus out to the start line because you start in Hopkinton and you run basically all the way to downtown Boston. And so um, it's a really big deal. It's a really hard course. It's a lot of downhill at the beginning, a lot of uphill at the end, which um, is very taxing on your quads to go down so much and then go up. But yeah, I think that it's a great thing for everyday athletes to have a goal to shoot for and have that be like their thing. And that's really special because we lose that sometimes as adults. We lose that competition that we had as kids when we played sports and did things like that. And to be able to have that, it's like playing for adults, right? Um, But man, I don't love the course. It is really hard.
0: How many times have you run the Boston
1: um, I've ran it three times.
0: Three. <laughs> I ran it in
1: 20, 2009, 2014 and 2018.
0: You, you, you don't like the course so much that you went back twice afterwards <laughs> and did it. Uh, that, that I, I, I see, I kind of, lear- I'm learning a lot about you right now. I'm learning <laughs> a lot about you. So, um, well, that's great. And, but the New York course, like tell us about that, that course. Do you, is that a good course? Do you like that one? What's that? What's, what's the big differences between running New York and running Boston?
1: Yeah. Well, they're both a logistical nightmare, um, <laughs> which is why I say if you're going to do one of the majors in, in uh, the United States, go to Chicago because you can get a hotel and that hotel can be right at the start finish line because they're basically in the same place. Um, like Boston and New York, you have to take a bus or a ferry out to the start line at like five in the morning. And it's just, you know, so it's kind of a lot. But New York is rolling hills like the whole time. I mean, You have to go over the five bridges as you go through the boroughs, which are pretty significant. Um, And I honestly like, there's not really much of a flat section on that marathon ever. I ran it in 2019 and had a magical race, like felt so amazing. And I was like, those hills weren't that bad. And then I ran it this year and I was like, these hills have changed. (laughs) They're so much harder. And in 2019, the weather was perfect. This year, it was really, really hot, so that was part of it, but um, it's a tough course. I mean, you're going uphill gradually at mile 23 for a very long time, and that's a really hard time in a marathon to go gradually uphill.
0: Right. I I always wonder, I mean, I understand the logistics and the problems with putting those courses together because you want them to be nice, and you want them to be in areas where people can watch, and... You know, you have camera crews you have to think about, and you have sponsorships you have to think about, and you have historic parts of the the cities you have to think about. But it seems like the last person they think about is the actual runner. It's, um, yeah. So
1: it's it's a lot, and um, it's so fun though. The New York City Marathon is, aside from like the bridges that you can't really have many spectators, it is a sea of cheering and music and entertainment and excitement from start to finish almost. So I don't think there's anything like it. Uh, Boston doesn't really compare. Like Boston coming down Boylston Street, which is the last stretch of the Boston Marathon. It's like the last, I'm going to get this wrong, but let's say it's like over a half a mile. I don't know, something like that. Um, though that's, that's amazing. Like that last stretch is like, you can't compare to that. But New York is more start to finish from like two miles on minus those little sections on the bridges. There's just people and excitement the whole time. And you just don't have that quite as much in Boston. So um, I would say if I had to choose, I would probably choose New York over Boston.
0: Okay. And I'm sorry, all the Boston people listening who are going (laughs) to use their accents to curse you out right now. So, um, (laughs) and fun fact about Boston, I'm not Mark there. I'm Mac. So um, just for anybody... First time we went to Boston. Somebody said Mac, and I'm like, "Who is Mac? Like, who is this person?" And it's like, "Oh, that's how they're saying my name." Ah, so, that's how they say Mark. They leave that R. <laughs> out. Yes, we, we use R's in the ah. South. I apologize. Yeah. So, and that's speaking funny. of the South, speaking of South, like I, I, for people who don't know that that running atmosphere, like, because I run the Peachtree Road Race every year, which okay. is which is a 10K and the most you know popular 10K in the world, and from start to finish. It is a party, it is an absolute party.
1: Oh, I bet I've heard the And
0: um, it's you can PR in the Peachtree Road Race, but you have to be one of the earlier people because if you mm. get in the middle of the pack or you start late, like you're going to be behind people just having a good time.
1: Totally. And, I mean,
0: it's July Fourth. You got mm-hmm. you know DJs out. You got bands out. You got people in all types of fun attire, and it's you know, I mean, it's 730 in the morning and there's people who live on that street handing beers and shots. Yeah. So, and I'm like, I can't PR doing a shot of tequila at 730 in the morning.
1: <laughs> Come so, back and get the shot. After, yeah, right?
0: exactly. Exactly. So, um, so to the, let's kind of sh- uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about, so you had mentioned that you had, um, done some fundraising, uh, for a great cause kind of talk about, what that cause means to you, why you got involved in it, and and what you kind of did with that organization.
1: Yeah, so Every Mother Counts. What they do is they help provide safe and equitable and respectful maternal care to women around the globe. So in the United States, but they're also in other countries as well: Haiti, Guam, Portugal. I'm I'm probably not going to get them all right right now off the top of my head, but um, they what they they're providing they partner with organizations and people that are already in these communities so that they can help women who might have to walk like literally 26 miles to get to care so that they can safely have their babies. So they partner with these organizations and come into these communities um, rather than just like bringing a bunch of uh, outside people and they're training midwives and and people that are already there, which I think is just a really important um, piece to the story there. Uh, But this organization was founded by Christy Turlington Burns, who she's a supermodel back in the day. And she had a very traumatic childbirth experience. And had she not had access to the care that she had, she likely would have died. And she has spent her post-modeling career like giving her life to this organization and making sure that women have the access to healthcare that she had access to. And it's just a really beautiful thing. I have four kids myself and had very, very easy childbirth experiences, very much because of modern medicine. I mean, my first baby was breech and I had to have a C-section and it was very routine. It wasn't scary. Like everything I needed I had and I'm so grateful for that. And I was able to be back with my other 3 kids and I felt like I was in really good hands and I makes me really sad to think that there are women that have to do this blindly and don't have access to the help. And it doesn't even have to be a doctor, but a midwife, you know. There there are people that can be trained to walk through childbirth with you that um, can really save your life because they know what to look for if you're hemorrhaging, things like that. So um, yeah, we my, I had my goal to raise $10,000. I think we're at $9,200 right now, but we have two company matches, my husband's company, LabCorp, and another company, Johnson & Johnson, that one of my um, awesome listeners of my podcast works for them. Um, she got a company match as well. So we're really at like 10200 So i um, really, really excited about that. And um, I coach their team. So they have charity teams at the New York City Marathon and the Chicago Marathon. Uh, between the two teams, I think over 200 runners and have raised over $500,000 for the organization through these people running these marathons. So it's been a really cool experience and I'm excited to continue the partnership with them.
0: And that is amazing. And it's it's when you when you sit back and just think about some of the things we take for granted. Some of the, you know, you're absolutely right. My, we, I have two kids and my wife had, there was, you know, I'm not going to say pregnancy was is ever easy for anyone, right. but the fact that, you know, we were able to, you know, oh, you know, she's going to labor. We go in the hospital. We have a doctor available. We have the baby in one the two days we go home and the baby's healthy. It's like you take those things for granted. And I, it's really, I, I commend you for for doing this, for stepping up and, and helping um, this organization, every mother counts, and, and fundraising and, and helping, you know, just women get the the care that they need and and the education that they need also is is a big part of this. So totally. Um and, and just being just being a mom of four and staying fit. And I you know, I'd be remiss not to at least have the conversation about You know, just the pressure that, you know, mothers have on them to if you're fit before you have the baby Mm -hmm. to get fit so quickly afterwards, like to get that fit body back. Did you feel I mean, you've done this four times, you've done this four times, so you have to live through this four different times. And uh, for anybody who's not a parent, they don't go away after they're born. You have to actually feed them and care for them (laughs) and at least get them through 18, which I've been told. Um, So I'm working on that. But after you have the babies, like how, what was your fitness journey? Like, was there, did you put pressure on yourself? Did you feel outside pressure? How was it like getting back into running? You know, kind of go through that part of your life.
1: Yeah, I think it was different for each kid. I, my first one, when I look back now, I'm like, you were crazy. <laughs> I mean, I would not recommend what I did. I. It's weird because social media wasn't what it is now 10 years ago. And so I didn't necessarily have the external pressures of that. If, if anything, I actually think if I would have had my first baby now, I would have had more external pressures to slow it down. Which is a great thing because I think that we're talking about that more to parents, like to mothers, like give yourself time, give yourself a breather, get your pelvic floor back together. Like don't, don't feel like you could rush it. And I, I don't think the education for that was as accessible and just out there as much when I had my first baby. I mean, I, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm, I'm saying don't do this, but I ran a marathon four months postpartum and then five months, and then not, I ran three marathons within the first year of having my baby. Um, I was going on 20-mile stroller runs when I was like three months postpartum, and I don't know. Some of that was probably a Band-Aid to my postpartum anxiety. Um, I don't recommend it. I recommend starting to run when you've been approved to start to run, and you feel good, and, and everything feels like, okay, this is how, this is how um, it's supposed to feel. And I say that lightly, though, because everything feels a little bit different. (laughs) Um, But yeah, each baby, I came back a little bit slower, though. And even in each pregnancy, I was a little less active because I was like, why do I feel the pressure at 30 weeks pregnant to continue running if it's not fun? It doesn't feel good. So I remember when I was 30 weeks pregnant with my fourth, I was like, I'm done trying to run. Like, this is miserably uncomfortable. So I would just go on walks. And that was hard for me because so much of my identity is wrapped up in being a runner and so much of working out and feeling like I checked that box and got my endorphins up for the day um, is tied to running. And so going for a walk just doesn't do what it does, you know, what running does. So that was really challenging. But I think that We just have to not compare ourselves to what other people are doing and also like be, have some grace and understanding with what other people are doing. I also think there's a flip side to that. People are really judgy, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's already running. She shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, you don't know what she's like going through. You don't know if that run is what kept her sane today, even if maybe her pelvic floor wasn't ready for it, you know? So... Um, There's a lot of nuance there that people are quick to rush to judgment. And unless you're that person, you don't know why they're doing what they're doing.
0: It just, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it just seems like that still happens a lot where whether you're pregnant or you're just gave birth, you know, take for instance, you have, if if you're pregnant, you're nine months pregnant and it's warm and you go to the beach and wear a bikini. Oh, good for her. Like, I'm glad she's still doing that. But then you have the other people on the beach, it's like, why she needs to cover up she's not and it's like why like why are you even caring and and then you know you'll like you said you know two three four months after you, you give birth you're like hey i wanna i want to start this running thing again i feel pretty i mean i need it in my life and you'll have that mother saying I, I can't believe she's not even six months past giving birth like she shouldn't be doing this and it's like can we just let people live can we do can yeah. we do that can we have people worry about themselves and and again, as, as a man and any men that are listening, I think it's, it's our job to kind of just sit here and listen and, and, and help out and be allies and not, you know, not disregard or invalidate the feelings of the, of the women that are, that are going through things like this. And during this time, and, and you kind of talked about postpartum anxiety a little bit, how was your husband, like how was, you know, his uh, interaction with you? Did he, was he supportive? How did he, how did you guys work together through all that?
1: Gosh, I wish I could even remember. I feel like I just actually posted something on my, I, so I also host a podcast for parents. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Um, good, which aunt, was good, birth- qu-
0: good title. Good title. <laughs> great title.
1: <laughs> that was birthed when my kids were like two, four, six, and eight. And they were just like, everybody's always yelling all the time, um, which is still the case, but, um. Where was I going with that? Oh, my podcast for parents. I don't even remember. Your,
0: your husband and you during after the, uh, the the birth of your child. How was your interaction? Oh, with him? Yeah. yes.
1: I posted on the Instagram page this morning on why is everyone yelling? I posted a picture of myself three weeks postpartum with my first baby. And I was like standing up in somebody's wedding, which, whoa, oh my gosh. Like, okay. um, And I said like, you know, anybody looking at this picture would be like, "Man, she really got it together postpartum. Like she looks so like she's just happy and she's, you know, got her makeup on and all these things, but I was a ball of anxiety and a mess. And I think that my husband is maybe my husband and my mom because I talked to her about it a lot were probably the only people that really knew like how deep that was, like how hard it was for me. And he he was amazing. Like he, he I th- I think hold his weight with night stuff way more than most partners do. Um, Like we just came to the realization, especially with my third baby, like I, he functions way better with less sleep than I do. He just does. And he doesn't have anxiety about it. Like he can feed a baby and go right back to sleep and not think, Oh wait, is the baby okay? Is the baby going to get up again in 30 minutes where I'm a total head case. And so I think that one of the reasons our marriage even survived postpartum with especially our last two babies is that he really was like in it like hardcore at nighttime and um I really needed that and sometimes I feel like women are like oh my gosh you're so lucky I did all the nights and I'm like well did you ask like did you say I really 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 need you to do this like I can't do this by myself anymore because you know you're breastfeeding or whatever." Um, and and sometimes I think us women feel like we have to because it's our job. We're the ones that produce the milk. And and so why would we both be up? But if it comes to a point where you're like literally losing your sanity, I think you it's like swallow your pride and ask for help. And most of the time, you're going to get someone that's going to step up. I, I, I know that not all husbands do that, but I, I feel really fortunate that mine did.
0: I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because um... – I think there's a lot of women that are listening to this and have the, have that anxiety in them right now, or think they're going to have that. And um, there's someone about to go into childbirth and they're I'm going to be super woman. I'm going to, d- I'm ready for this. I'm going to be, and I I'm a man. I've never, another child has never popped out of my body anywhere <laughs> before. Um, and so I wouldn't, it's hard for me to empathize and not a negative way. I just can't, I've never gone through that. Um, I can definitely sympathize, but there's so many women out there who think I'm going to do this. I'm prepared for this. I'm going to be a great mother, and then it happens. And the feedback I've gotten from many women is like your world just turns upside down. Like it's yeah, like it's
1: the hormones. Like yeah, hormones that's, that's my my wife had the
0: same thing. Yeah, you're
1: sweating um, in the middle of the nights. So you're sweating through all your clothes. You're crying for no reason, but you, there is a reason. You just don't realize it. And. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like unlike anything I've ever experienced and you are not a bad mom because you asked for help. Like you're not less of a mom because you asked for help.
0: I'm, I'm glad you said that out loud because I know my wife when she, and she, with, with the two kids, like she, her hormones reacted differently with both kids mm-hmm. and then her thyroid reacted differently with both kids. And you know, she had swelling with one kid, didn't have swelling with the other. It's like, okay, like, what the hell is going on? Like we we just got to take the punches as, as they happen. And from from all men out there to women listening, um, I don't. I haven't met a man who's become a mind reader yet, and I don't mean that <laughs> sarcastically. And I don't actually, I do mean that sarcastically. But, um, and I tell my wife all the time, like one, I'm not a mind reader, and two, you give me a lot more credit than I deserve. I am dumb to the point where you have to tell me exactly <laughs> what to do. Like you can't say something and like, oh, Mark's going to read between the lines. On yes. this one. I will not. I will not. I'm dumb. I'm very pragmatic. I'm very just, okay, one plus one equals two. I don't want to know that there's a, you know, half and a half in there that equals like, I don't want to know that just if you need something, let me know. So I'm glad you said that because if there is a woman listening, who's like, my husband's going to get this. I'm going to tell you right now. He's probably not going to get it. He's probably not going to get it. You have to, you have to say it out loud to him. I, so, I mean, I say the yeah. same
1: thing with yeah. like cleaning the house. Mm. I, I just like ask. I'm just like, hey, these toilets, because we have all boys and people are peeing everywhere. It's disgusting. And I'm just like, hey, this toilet is gross. And I have not used that toilet in a week. Can you just clean the toilet? And that if he cleans the, I clean my toilet in our our bedroom, if he cleans the other two toilets in the house it's game changer but a lot of times he doesn't think to do it because the dirtiness doesn't bother him so if I'm just like will you please clean that toilet today instead of just going this toilet's so gross like I just ask him and same with anything like I'm with with the house stuff because I do generally clean more than him because it bothers me more to have a dirty house but if I just ask he's like okay Like, it's not a big deal, but he just doesn't think to do it. And so I think that that's one of the things I would probably, that's marriage advice I would give someone going into marriage. Like, just ask.
0: And I I have two girls and I've heard that boys are absolutely the dirtiest creatures on the earth.
1: (laughs) I don't understand. I can't even tell you some of the things I've walked in the bathroom to see. Like, I'm like, what is actually happening right now? So, yeah, I mean, and I, and I'm not even like, I don't even have teenagers yet. I'm just, it's going to pray for me. (laughs)
0: Uh, Four, four boys. Is it four boys? It's four boys. Oh my goodness. And it's
1: stinky already, you know, like, I don't know. It's fine. It's so fun though. I, I think that. I think that I was meant to have boys. Um, I don't know that I was meant to have four boys, but I think that I was meant to have multiple boys and I really, really enjoy it. And I know I wouldn't, I would enjoy having girls too, but this, this is the life that God gave me and I'm really happy.
0: That's how I feel about my two girls. I was like, I, something just tells me like I was, I was meant to have girls in this world. Um, But to tell you, um, they both play soccer. And for the first time last week, I got in my truck and I'm like, "What? What is that smell?" The dirty sauce. And I was like, <laughs> "Is that my child's back? Like, how is this cute little girl? <laughs> how does she smell like this?" <laughs> and so I, I got my first taste of that um, because you know my brother and I played played sports as kids, and I'm sure my parents just probably had enough of the smell mm-hmm. of us. Um, and I
1: think I get immune to it sometimes though. Like pe other people get in their, ca- my car and they're like, your car stinks. And I'm like, it does.
0: I didn't notice. I, I, no, I no. It, this smells fine to me. This is perfect. <laughs> Perfectly normal. So, but you know, you're going to, out of the four of them, you're going to get some mama's boys out of there. You're going to get, I have yeah.
1: one so far. Oh. My third, we, we just went, my husband and I went to New York city and we just got back on Monday and my big boys, I walked up to meet them after school. They flew right by me on their bikes. Like, Hey mom, like, Oh, don't mind me. I haven't seen you since Thursday. But my my kindergartner, my third, he just opened arms and came running up to me. And I was like, oh, best day ever. So I had one that missed mm-hmm. me while I was gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's 25%. All right. Yeah, cool we go. We're, we're, we're work. I got um, – I, I, I am a self-described mama's boy. Um, you know, my mom was alive. She, she passed a few years ago. But I was the one that, that I had to do everything with my mom. I loved – just everything about my mom. So I have no problem saying I was a mama's boy and there's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of kids are too cool to admit it, too cool for school, but...
1: I love that you say that because as a mama of four boys, I I do get a little bit weepy sometimes thinking about... Um, I've just watched it play out with marriages. Like the family ends up being with the girl's family more. And that certainly happens with our family and more so because my husband's mom has passed away. But like, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like girls tend to stay a little bit closer to their moms and their parents and boys. Maybe I can, I can even attest to this with my, with my husband, he has three sisters and those girls would call their mom every day. And my husband checks in like once every other month. And I'm like, surely like somebody's (laughs) going to not just check in once every other month, you know? So I, I do think about that a lot. And um, you know, hopefully I'll have a really special relationship if they end up having a partner someday with whoever that is. So yeah, that's, that's something I think about because girls se- tend to phone home more.
0: Yeah. I have, I have a feeling both of my girls would phone. One's going to call me. One's going to call her mother. I can already tell what it's going to be <laughs> and both are probably going to be asking for money. Um, yeah. but that's, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. So, uh, um, we do that
1: till about 30.
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I probably did it past 30. Think about it. I don't know. <laughs> So Lindsay, what's, what's next for you Are, is I, I hate to ask, but is there another marathon in your future?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I'll run more marathons. I just don't know if I'm going to go all in with the training. I'll stay active. I'm going to do a couple half marathons in February. There's a couple of races I partner with that one is the Donna marathon and I always do the half and, um, yeah, just continuing to create podcasts that I feel passionate about and, Grow my podcast network and lean into motherhood right now. It's really fun. The kids are at a really fun age. So um, just trying to soak it in. And I know time's passing by real quick, and I'm just trying to be as present as possible.
0: Well, awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. How can people reach out to you online? How can they find you uh, on social media?
1: Um, I am Lindsay Hine, 626 on Instagram, and that's Lindsay with an E. I am at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. Um, have a Facebook group for my podcast, I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine. I, w- I would encourage people, if they liked the parenting talk, to f- for sure check out my podcast for parents called Why Is Everyone Yelling? And if you are a runner or an athlete, um, the podcast called I'll Have Another is where I interview professional uh, runners. So, yeah, I would love to connect. Lindsay at com is my email.
0: Awesome. Lindsay, thank you so much. Uh, Congratulations on all your success, all the the races. Congratulations on raising four boys Um, and, you know, a lot more years of doing that. But, um, you know, great job and everything you're doing. Yeah, I commend you for the work you're doing with the fundraising and all the work you're doing with mothers and just keep being awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of the show and, and you take care of yourself.
1: Thanks for having me.